Sermon numbered 551, Three Ways of Living. Preached at the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, November 1, 1970. The text is Matthew, the 21st chapter, the 28th through the 32nd verses. The book of Matthew, the 21st chapter, beginning to read at the 28th verse. Now what do you think? There was a man, said Jesus, who had two sons. And he went to the older one and said, Son, go work in the vineyard today. I don't want to, he answered. But later this son changed his mind and he went to the vineyard. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. Yes, sir, this son answered, but he did not go. Which one of the two did what his father wanted? The older one, they answered. Yes, and I tell you this, Jesus said to them, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John the Baptist came to you showing you the right path to take, but you would not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes followed him and believed him. Even when you saw this, you did not change your minds later on and believe him. One of the shorter parables of our Lord that is what we just heard. And the meaning of it was crystal clear to those people who lived in the day in which it was spoken. That first son, the older one, the one who said no, he would not go to work, who refused the request of his father, but then later changed his mind and went to work, everybody could see that these this man represented the harlots, the sinners, the tax collectors, and all the other people who were considered to be unrighteous and unclean. Those individuals who gave a face value of denying God, yet when Jesus Christ, God's Son, came, they, they welcomed him, they listened to him, they followed him, and they changed their lives to meet his pattern for living and to accept his demands for their life. Yes, the first son stood for those unrighteous people who at first looked like they turned their backs on God, but then later, through Jesus Christ, changed their minds and repented and turned and did what the Father would have them to do. And the second son, who was known by everybody in those days, represented the religious people in the community, the scribes, the Pharisees, the holy orthodox people, those individuals who promised from their birth, oh Lord, I will follow, I will do what you want me to do, I'll go where you want me to go. Those individuals were those people who, nevertheless, though they said yes with their mouths, said no with their lives. 
They looked good, but they didn't do much. Individuals who made a profession of following God, but their actions didn't show it. Everybody knew who was represented by the older son, the first son, and that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people were being characterized in this parable when represented by the second son. Yes, it had simple meaning to the people of the first generation who heard it. And yet when we read it in the 20th century, we, I think, find more in it than perhaps the people of that day. I think in this particular passage, when you spend time with it and brood over it and pray with it, I think you can get the idea that Jesus is trying to tell us groups of people who vary in philosophy and the way life is to be lived. You know, we still have people around like that first oldest son. You know them and I know them. And I would like to characterize them as being people whose actions are much better than their words, or whose actions are much better than their professions. Now you know the type of people I mean. We all have them labeled within our friendships. Individuals who continuously protest in making any type of affirmation concerning the Christian faith. Who never enter a church door, but yet who live pretty good, decent lives. Some of them wouldn't think of doing some of the things which we who bear the name Christians do. You know them. Individuals whose actions in everyday living are far superior to the words that they speak in their daily conversation. Individuals who really don't have anything against Jesus Christ, they just don't like to bear the name of Christ. Yet we notice in their activities and in their ethics, they mirror very closely the life of the Master. Individuals who want to hear them speak, you would think they were horrible creatures. Yet when you look beyond the sound of their voice and examine the actions in their lives, you find there a heart of real kindness and of real love. Hard cord, hard shell, rock, irreligious, rugged people. Do you really and most of society do not think as being very virtuous? Yet when the chips are down, you find that some of them have more the spirit of Christ than some of the people who sit beside you in the pew at church on Sunday. I even find that some of these people seem to gain or desire a perverse pleasure in actually trying to make themselves look and sound worse than their actions would reveal. I don't think I'll ever forget that man who lived in the small town that I formerly served as a pastor. 
He was a man who had nothing to do with the church whatsoever. He was an individual who had no use for Christianity. And I guess he was an individual who had no use for a preacher as well. I think you might call him a theologian. At least he used a great deal of theological words, a little different order than I use them, but he used them. And he could use them with everything that he had within it. And observers used to tell me after we would be found in conversation one with another, that in my presence, he would always appear more vulgar, more profane than at any other time. I don't know what that meant, but this is the way he acted. And more than once, I had a storekeeper or some innocent person who was within earshot of the conversation, after the conversation, come up and apologize to me for this man's behavior. And many times they'd say, honest, Reverend, he's not as bad as he sounds. I knew that. They didn't have to tell me. They knew that. But the man didn't know it. For some reason or another, he felt that he had to appear worse than he really was. And you know, there are people like that in the world, and I can't get over trying to figure out why. Why did this man, through his words, try continuously to convince me and, and other people that he was a worse individual than he really was? Is it to avoid hypocrisy? If it is, the person's barking up the wrong tree because you're just as much of a hypocrite when you try to appear worse than you really are than when you are trying to appear better than you are. You're a hypocrite in reverse, but you're still a hypocrite. You're still playing acting. You're still putting on a mask. And yet many people do it. Do you realize that there are people in this very community who absolutely refuse to come into this church or any other church in our township or in surrounding environs? And it's not because they do not like you or me or one of, one of the other ministers of this church. It's not because they do not like Jesus Christ. Many of them reverence him very highly. Many of them read their Bibles with great regularity. But they will not come here. And you know why? I'm convinced it's because they are afraid to death they are going to lose the reputation that they have been able to build up over the years of wanting people to believe that they are really worse than they are. Now that's pathetic. But you know people like that and so do I. And why are they this way? You know, they live a lot. Yes, any individual who, who tries to live a life like Jesus Christ, yet will not claim him as their Lord and Savior, is an individual who's living under another man's banner. Such an individual is a thief. He's as guilty as living under someone else's name as would another individual live in another man's suit who wears it without first being given permission. Such people are hard on 
the cause of Jesus Christ and the good of the church. They're not helping out the world. They're merely bringing confusion to the minds and hearts of people who believe that one to follow Jesus Christ professes him as Lord and Savior and then allows his life to live out in actions which correspond to that profession. The only reason that I can figure that some people try to sound and look worse than they really are is because they do not want to be categorized with that group of people who follow a second philosophy of living, that who dedicate themselves to trying, in trying to sound better than they really are. People whose words are much better than their actions. You know the type of person. Promises anything. Does nothing. The individual who liked that second son, that younger son, politely said the right word and did nothing. Oh, he meant well. <laughs> He just didn't get around to doing what he promised to do. People who say yes with their lips and then no with their lives. You know the type. On Sunday mornings here in church they can recite the creed from memory. Quote verbatim passages of scripture. And then the other six days of the week, they live like they are totally ignorant of the meaning of both. Their words say one thing, their lives, something altogether different. Henry Drummond, that great preacher, told one day of standing on a street corner talking with a group of young men who absolutely refused to go to church. As they were talking, an elder of the church walked by. Morning, Reverend. Morning, Elder. And after he had passed, the boys, one of them spoke. They said, there's the founder of our atheist club. How can this be? Asked Drummond. That, that man is one of the leaders of our church. Precisely, said the boys, and if a man can live that type of life and be an elder and a leader in your church, we want nothing to do with it. Kind of frightening, isn't it? When we realize that the voice of the church, which is the voice of our Lord, oftentimes becomes obliterated because of your action and my action. You know, one of the reasons maybe why the voice of the church is not being heard today is because of the way you and I act. Someone said, someone once said to an individual who made a very fine profession of his faith, I cannot hear what you say for listening to what you are. People who try to live worse than they really are are no credit to Jesus Christ or to the cause of the church. 
But I think even worse is that individual who tries to make his words better than his actions. For it is worse to make a profession which is fine and have it to be obliterated by our actions. That's horrible. It's even worse than making no profession at all. Now that's pretty strong language. Those are two philosophies of life that I think Jesus is pointing out subtly in this particular parable. But the sermon title is Three Philosophies of Life, and there is, I think, in this parable an indication of a third way which God would want us to live. Do you realize that in this parable there is no one who receives real credit? No one is being praised. Both sons are looked upon as being something less than perfect. Granted, it is better to be like the first son, to say no and then do yes, than to be like the second son who said yes and then did no. Granted, he is far superior to the second son, but please don't ever get the idea that he is the perfect son. Neither son here is held up as being a paragon of how God would want people to act. The ideal son is in Jesus Christ, the son who knew the will of his father and who did it, not only in word but in deed. The ideal way to life is to make a profession of Jesus Christ, but then to live that to its fullest in your life. In other words, to know Christ and then practice what you preach and preach what you practice. What Jesus is calling for here is not only for simplicity, but for consistency within the Christian realm. And if there is any institution in the world that is inconsistent, it's the Church of Jesus Christ, and one of the perhaps greatest weakness in your life and in mine is that we are not simple enough, nor consistent enough, when we say that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, and then back that up with the actions in our lives that show he is our captain and our God. I guess what we're asking for is for more people like that individual who is the sea captain upon a vessel that a lady was taking a trip on from England to Australia. She confronted the captain and she asked him, tell me, sir, what route do you propose to take? He took from his inner pocket a map and carefully unfolded it and placed it before both of them. And he said, madam, there are three possibilities. This is a shortcut and it is the way that I would like to go. Here's another route. It is longer, far more interesting, and that is the way perhaps you would like to go. But then here's a route that the owners of this ship say I should take, and that is the way that I will go. 
on these turbulent seas of life, when all sorts of winds and waves are beating upon us. What the world needs more, and what the church needs more than anything else, are people like you and me, who know that Jesus Christ is their captain and their guide, their savior and their lord, and who go not the way that individually we would like to go, nor do we travel that route which other people want us to take. But we go the way that our owner would have us to go. That is the way to life. Our Father and our God, it's been a great day in thy kingdom, it's been a big day in thy kingdom, and we ask now that as we go out into the kingdom from this place of receiving inspiration and strength, thou will help us to be people who live the life that thou would have us to live. Help us to be uncomplicated. Help us to be sincere. Lord, help us to be consistent so that our lives and our words do not lie one to the other. And now may the God of grace, may the power and the spirit of Jesus Christ and may the presence of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.